Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely killer talk with Jake Jensen talking about bonder chuck, exercise selection, exercise classifications, and how it can be handled in team sports. Jake jumped on an IG live talk with us last week, and it was really sensational. So wanted to put it out there on the podcast to make sure everybody got a chance to listen to it. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Jake Jensen. What's up? What's up, bro? How's it going? Good, man. Long time no see. Yeah, I didn't even know that this is a – I thought I was requesting to be in the chat. I didn't know I was going to be uh, actually on the video. Yeah, man, so you're you're gonna be the guest on the on the live. It's all good that uh, we'll catch up with with Dan Martinez next week, which will be awesome. But uh, so yeah, for the one and only Jake Jensen, any questions? Fire away. I guess Jake, the first thing, man, is uh, you're back in Germany. Yeah, I'm back, back in Berlin. Awesome, man. So uh, let's talk about the trip. Yeah, yeah, this year was an awesome year. Lobsters. Um, Moyer says lobsters. <laughs> yeah, we uh, – I was trying to – that all kind of started uh, – I talked to Jeff back in December because I was trying to buy my flights when they were cheap. 
that to fly from from Germany and uh, little little known fact it's hard to get into Richmond. That's not a that's not a very like popular airport for no. some reason. No. Jeez. You know, I could I think a direct flight out of here goes out of Hamburg to Richmond. It was like two thousand euros or something. And so I was trying to save some money, and I told Jeff, you know, if I fly into Pittsburgh, we can drive down. And so I ended up, that's how I ended up driving down with Jeff. And uh, that turned out real good. There were six guys in the car, and we, we talked a lot of shop. And the uh, uh, the lobster thing was just, uh, we were talking about Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. I don't know if anybody's read that book, but uh, that was a killer book. Awesome. He talks a lot about lobsters, so that's how that kind of came about. And I'm sure that the trip down with Graham was interesting. I guess hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'd never met him before. He's he's super funny. It was fun to to talk shop with him too. A little bit of rugby. Mostly, we talked about uh, Bondarchuk actually for most of the most of the trip. So touch on that. Yeah. So. Uh, I think really the the main point there was like me and Tommy have been uh, have been working on uh, obviously working on his books for a couple years now, but uh, when I was working with Tommy in in uh, in Michigan, we kind of decided that a lot of the things that he puts in his books are like inaccessible to team coaches, partly because the the way that he writes is just really bad. Like he's a coach, and he's he's kind of a he's kind of a savant, you know, but he's just not very good at writing. And uh, even when I translate the books, there's just no way to make it better because it's just so bad. And so the uh, the content is just a little bit cloudy, you know. Like people read the books and they're like, I have no idea what the hell this guy's talking about. And so I think that, and I could be wrong here, but. I feel like a lot of his readers just feel like they don't understand. Like maybe there's something there and they just aren't smart enough to get it. Or they feel like he's like totally full of shit. So yeah. it's one or the other. And I think me and Tommy, me and Matt Tommy, I'm talking about, uh, he's a strength coach at Michigan Tech, if anybody doesn't know. But um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. It's just hard to understand. And so we decided that we need to maybe clarify, you know, some of the stuff that's in there whether it be through like a podcast or writing a book about it or, or something. And uh, on the drive, I was just kind of talking about that. And for me, it starts with the distinction between track and field and team sports. And uh, I have had this conversation with Anatoly a couple of times. Like I call him on Skype and we're sitting there like arguing about classifying exercises. Oh, hey, there's Daniel. What's up, yeah. Daniel? I got your email, by the way. I'll send, I'll send you an email back. Um, but the, the, the thing is that with Anatoly, his view of classifying exercises comes from track and field and there's no tactics in hammer throw. Like, wh like what's the tactical, your tactics is yourself. It's like right. mental preparation. Yeah. So like, there's nobody standing in front of you trying to throw you off you just walk up there and throw it. And so I think that that's a, that's a big and so, like, I guess the, the thing here is that, like, for me, I had to step it back and strip away all hammer throwing from the exercise classification and get back to what exactly is the nuts and bolts. And for me, it's like, 
if you're doing in his system, if you're doing SDE, then you're like, and you show some kind of positive result, you're like 85, 90% confident that the competition exercise is going to improve. Like that's like a pretty basic, that's a fundamental principle. If you carry that over to team sports and you've got a guy doing sprints, even for a sport like football, and you say this guy got like two tenths faster in his 10 yard split, like how confident are you going into game day that you're like, that guy's going to score a touchdown tonight because of that sprint? That's a good point. I mean, what do you, there's no way you're 80% confident that it's going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, you have to change, like for team sports, you have to change those classifications and move everything that we're doing down the scale to being more general. Because you just can't be confident that the that those exercises you're doing are going to have like a 90% transfer rate. And obviously I have no way, like at this point, to like quantify that and show some kind of um, objective correlation. But that's the logic of the system is that if you're doing SDE, you're 90% confident that improvements there result in improvements in CE. Mm -hmm. And there's like, as a team sport strength and conditioning coach, if I got a hockey guy and he's getting stronger in his squats or even stronger in like a side lunge, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to tell the coach like this guy's scoring a goal this weekend because he hit a squat PR. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? No doubt. And so for me, that's like, that's me and Jeff talked about this a ton. This is where yes, is kind of comes into the equation where he talks about using biomechanics to invent new exercises for team sport athletes. So I think that was, we talked about that a lot and like Graham was kind of blown away. Like I made the point that if it's not, if it's not making you confident that they're going to score more goals or get more yards, then it's not as specific as you think. And he like, I was sitting in the back of the car, he turned around, looked at me, and he's like, so that means everything we do in the gym is just general. And I looked at him, and I was like, he just said it, you know? And I was like, just say that again, but say it slower. Yeah. <laughs> just think about what you said. Like, because a lot of coaches get tied up in, is it squat depth that's better, or is it deadlift or squat, or, you know, bench press with boards, or wide grip, or narrow grip. But, I mean, does it really matter? I don't know. I just I, in Bondarchuk's system, it just doesn't fit in in a category where you can say eighty percent confident this is going to make us win. Because you carry it over like with uh, Sadiq, you say he's throwing the hammer further with the heavier hammer. Well, I'm pretty positive that's going to make him do better on like meet day. And then you go over to team sports and you've got Wayne Gretzky in the gym. And he just hit body weight squats for like, you know, a couple sets of five and the velocity was a PR technique was great. And you're like, okay, now he's going to play better on Sunday. I just don't think that, you know, and another, that's funny. Cause after the weekend of the seminar, a picture came out of Tom Brady at the beach. Did you see that? Yeah. And you see what he said when people were giving him shit about it? No. He said, I'm built for winning six rings, not having six packs. Well, like just I mean, think about that. It's like uh, it's like a good point, you know. So we're talking about. What does it say? Can you see what Daniel just put up? That's that's awesome. Yeah, for it's sure. The zoo versus the jungle. The jungle is the game, and the zoo is everything else. When those 
are the same thing when training is testing and you are good. When that increases in complexity, we have to watch the developmental curves more closely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Mark, what's up, man? Um, yeah, the test exercise thing. It's a huge part of Anatoly's system, too. Having things that you're, things you key in on that are important for your athletes that relate to their performance be in the training. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like, mean, KPIs are all the rave right now, but Bondarchuk's been talking about that basically forever. Since the 70s. Yeah. But I, and so, like, the thing for me is that his books don't, they're not, it's not a lateral uh, conclusion, you know? Like, you can't necessarily take what he's saying and apply it to team sports because that classification is missing the tactics. So I told the, I told Tommy and the, the guys in the car, like, I'm trying to come up with things we can do here that are, that I could classify as SDE for hockey, which basically means that you make scrimmages heavier than normal. So I actually had a firm here in Berlin uh, uh, manufacture 250 gram steel bars for me. Oh, one of my players just joined. What's up, Kai? <laughs> He's, he knows. He's the guy that I had wear these, actually. So anyways, he uh, I actually I had Kai strap these steel bars onto his like kit when he was playing this spring so total kit for a forward is like uh 10 kilos everything skates helmet pads gloves mm-hmm. and so the the steel bars we wanted to weight the limb segments and uh so lower leg upper leg arm and then uh the torso so you have eight 250 gram steel bars so it's two kilos total head to toe the weight's like distributed so that you could take advantage of those like biomechanical forces when the lower leg is churning and the, the load of places on the hip and the knee and the low back instead of just wearing a vest, you know, because that doesn't really mimic like specifically how the load works. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we tried it this summer and it worked real good. And that, like in my opinion, that fits the description like of what SDE would be. Joseph and Doc talk about that too. Yeah. Like the weighted pants and like weighted shirts for like the, the yeah. basketball guys and stuff. Yeah. So, but the thing, the thing that like still has me miffed, you know, like I'll be honest, is that how to quantify the improvement there. So you have to have some way to like, is it, is it making shots or is it like protecting the puck takeaways, like uh, turnovers over under? Yeah, I don't sprint know. Sprint times, anything. It could be, yeah, it could be sprint times with the weight. But the, I think that's when reading his stuff and thinking about it, like for me, that's the, the way to apply his system to team sports. You have to classify everything as more general until you come up with exercises that include tactics. So obviously for ice hockey, there's a, the, like the force coefficient of ice and the heavy like, uh, like high-speed eccentrics of returning the leg after a stride is much different than field sports where you have the pawback. Mm-hmm. So there's like that different like biomechanical element where you're using ice. But I still think that like the tactics is the key there to being like really confident and telling your coach like this guy is going to score more goals or he's like he's going to lock down in the corners now because I can see that he is doing it. Well, do you almost think that those exercises might have to be team-based? Like almost being like, 4v4 or 3v3 and 
bigger or smaller spaces, kind of like they do with soccer or 6v6, so it's more con condensed, you know? Yeah, it's sometimes like in ice hockey, they'll do, uh, they're pretty good about that. Like, they'll turn the ice sideways so you play between the boards mm -hmm. instead of end-to-end. -end. And that's like, would be kind of a situation I would classify as, as a competition exercise. I think for me that uh, special development exercise for ice hockey would be weighted shooting drills, weighted timing drills, um, weighted one-on-ones. So, you know, like that. That would be S SDE, in my opinion. Yeah. So. No, I like it, man. Hard to quantify, though. Yeah, it's hard. Like, one thing that they do uh, when I was looking into trying to do it this summer is uh, the IIHF does a, a skills competition every year. It's an invite-only thing. They invite kids from a bunch of countries to come and represent their country at the camp. And they do uh, like a series of drills, and they give each person a, like a score based on how they do. One of the things is a shooting drill, so they get a, a second off of their total score if they, for every puck that they make in the net, and if they've got a, the shot blocker there. And they'll do some speed drills, like crossovers and straight-ahead sprints with change of direction, and then you get a total time minus every shot is a second off of your score. And I thought that might be a good way. So we, had, we didn't get a chance to try it because guys were out of town for camps and stuff. It's, it's a little more complicated here than in college sports. The guys gonna are all over the place. I bet. But that's uh, something we thought about a little bit. Appreciate that, man. That's freaking cool. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Doesn't adding weight to a movement create a different movement pattern? If it's too heavy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, and Anatoly's and talked about that. Yeah, that's where I got two kilos. So when Anatoly does heavier throws, it's a 20% increase from the competition. So his uh, the hammer that's competition hammer is six kilos for men, or 7.25 or something. And he'd either go from six to 7.25 or from 7.25 to eight. Mm -hmm. So that adds about 20%. And he would lightened implement would be the same so he wouldn't go like a two kilo hammer for a man it would be like if it, i think it's 7.25 somebody might know what competition weight is for men but anyways it'd be about 20 percent difference and and doc talks about that too where if you use too much weight you know but that was his thing with quarterbacks i think like if you're yeah. throwing those yeah and he uh, he talked about that with like the donuts with baseball too putting that stuff on the bat that it was too heavy Yep, because it messes up their mechanics too much to where it doesn't correlate. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why, like, it's a good point saying, like, doesn't adding a weight change a movement pattern? Because that's, you have to think about that when you're, how, when you think about where to load. Because if you just wear a weight vest that's 20 kilos, like, that doesn't necessarily, you know, you're not skating around with someone on your back in a game. The, a lot of the weight is in the foot because of the skate and the shin pad. And there's a lot of weight in the arms from the gloves and the elbow thing. And so you have to be strategic, I think. Something that I, I picked up from Doc, you have to take into account those uh, biomechanical factors when you're adding the load. I think Yosef said that when he was working with Doc, he used to wear weighted shorts, right? Yep. Yeah. So it's like the weight has to be on the limb segment or else it doesn't transfer. Mm-hmm. 
I thought about doing weighted sticks, you know, like putting weight in the hockey stick. But it's complicated because if uh, if you try and do that, then there's all kinds of issues. Like there's like a like 50 million different hockey sticks. Like well, it's so much weights. it's so much torque if you put it too far away too. Yeah, and how, where do you put the weight? And not only that, but like there's like seven different flexes. There's like six different blade profiles. Um, there's different brands, different lengths. Some guys don't like to have. Uh, anything on top of the stick because it messes up their grip and so it's like golf tape because that would be like low profile mm -hmm. but uh just i just thought to myself it doesn't really matter actually because the the real load is on their body in competition the stick weighs nothing the stick weighs 700 grams yeah so it's like you know you You're welcome, to? Lars. It's not that big of a, a weight, so. Yeah, bro. Well, listen, Lumber's Jake. in charge. Yeah, you should have seen Graham's face in the car. He pretty much dumped his pants. <laughs> well, listen, Jake. Appreciate you hopping on, bro. And uh, yeah. if I can save this and, and repurpose it, I'm going to put it as a podcast next week too, homie. But it was good catching up, brother. And I appreciate you being on. It was great seeing you this week, man. Thanks, Jay. It was a great year. Appreciate everything. Yeah, buddy. We'll be in touch. All right. Bye-bye. And a huge thanks to Jake Jensen for being on the show with us today. Guys, just some awesome stuff breaking down, you know, all the bonder truck stuff that a lot of people seem to have a hard time with. So can't thank Jake enough for spending the time and sharing with us today. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it with the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Well, guys, the, the, the word of mouth is, is really important to us, and, and spreading the word is really, really important. So I'm truly grateful for everybody to not only take the time to listen, but you know for everybody who you share and pass the information on with. It, it really means the world to us. And always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.